Hello and welcome to Turbo, a Soccer Rangers podcast where we focus on conventions, cosplay, and nerddom in general. And on this rather somber episode, it's hosted by me, Robert, the Red Ranger. Oh, but I am also here, Tyler, the Black Ranger. I am also here. I am John, the Megan McHugh. I'm Amy, the Pink Ranger. And I am also here, Cole, the Green Ranger. Uh, this isn't very terrible at all, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's actually, our tires are deflated right now. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, it's, it's... Add treads, treads don't deflate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we made that mistake. We won't make it again. But the real reason why we're being kind of somber around here uh, this is a rare one. Rob has an apology to make to all of you listeners and to the internet as a whole. Yes, I said some things that have upset people. I've said it more than once. Not since Cole going and celebrating Hugh Hefner have we received so much hate mail. Really? Was that what it was? Yep. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no. Uh, <clears throat> we, can, we can talk more about that later, but uh, yeah. So I will say I do find it kind of funny because a few people in particular have felt the need to go and spam a whole bunch of stuff to our email uh, because, and I will still stand by at some level that Stan Lee as a comic creator has done some unique things. We'll say <laughs> to say the least, there has been some stuff that there have been a lot of likenesses. There have been a lot of similarities. And even he himself has said that he has lifted ideas from other comic books. Not something that I meant to go and make sound like I think that he is a terrible person, that he should be hated or anything like that. And I'm sorry if it came off that way. That's not the way I meant for it to go and come off. I am a fan of Stan Lee. I am not a hater. I think that he, as a man, was actually very good in a lot of respects, I think that he was the comic books version of Steve Jobs. He wasn't the guy that invented the computer. He had other people around him who actually did a lot of the conceptual work. But he knew on how to change the design. He knew on how to change the concepts for how the stuff was marketed, how to make them approachable, and how to go and come up with ideas that were endearing and have held up. This last couple of days, and now at this point, it'll have been a week since his passing. I've seen a lot of things going out talking about this man and the good that he's done, just in the way that he's inspired people and how his works have impacted people's lives. And that is something to be commended, if nothing else. Stanley came into the world in turbulent times. World War I was just ending when he was born, and he grew up during the throngs of World War II. He became, and I find this absolutely incredible, he became friends with the two authors that created Superman at the time that they were in the process of doing it. He was as integral in the creation of that character, not in terms of designing or anything like that, but in terms of being a sponge for what that audience would eventually become. He knew the character and the stories before they ever came out. And what's fascinating, I find, is that DC in particular created gods with a little G. 
those characters were popularized during the 1940s, during the height of World War II, and then moving on into the early stages of the Cold War. That was a time where we all needed saving. We needed somebody to stand up for us. We were being attacked on both sides. Europe was on the verge of collapse. And then you had characters like Dr. Midnight. You had characters like Superman, Wonder Woman, who came into the fray. And they gave people hope and inspiration. That was what cemented DC in the first place. And it's grown into many other things. Marvel came at a very different time. When Stanley, Jack Kirby, and the rest of the creative team that really established Marvel came into play. We were moving through the 1960s and the 1970s. That was the height of their success. Well, yes, that is, I I need just want to jump in real quick. Mm-hmm. But there was another thing that like people like Jack Kirby did include for at the tail end of the during the Cold War and also the tail end of I guess would be the first bit of recovery from the World War and that was Captain America. Mm-hmm. True. But that was also something on where that character was treated as something different. Captain yeah, America, Captain America started as a serial, not as part of a larger production. That Marvel as a whole hadn't established itself. It hit stride during the 60s and 70s and with very different kind of characters. Whereas DC had created gods, Marvel, largely through Stan Lee and his approach to the character types, they made men. In a lot of respects, very normal people. Steve Rogers didn't start off as Captain America. He started off as a regular person. A frail person. Yeah, exactly. And despite him becoming this super powerful creature, he still was somebody that just stood there for the little guy. He was still the same person that he always was. He was something you could identify with. And Stan Lee, and I will give him 100% credit on this, because even Jack Kirby has talked about the creation of the character and on how Stan gave him his humanity. Spider-Man and the X-Men changed everything. And that was really when things got going in the right way for Marvel. It was all about us and our humanity. What we had, in a lot of respects, lost. We'd gone from fighting this same enemy in the Nazis and then going and switching over to the Red Menace to having issues at home. God, there's a lot of buzzing in my ear. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I'll edit that out. As we started to move through the Civil Rights era... Characters like the X-Men really stood out. A lot of people have drawn very clear comparisons to the Doom Patrol. That's not something that uh, Stanley ever shied away from. They had a great idea, but they weren't human. They didn't go and stand in any sort of contrast to the world around them. And that's where the X-Men stood out. They were always an allegory for the civil rights movement. It was about humanity. We couldn't look to some... Her some greater uh, entity. We couldn't go and look at some character like Superman to go and solve all of our problems. We ourselves hmm. needed to do that. And what that was when... Did, sorry, sorry what, what, year did the, what year did the Civil Rights Movement start? It's kind of one of those questionable things because it's been more of a slow progression more than anything else because it started with the women's suffrage movement and then went and moved on from there. The 60s and the 70s really were when it hit the fever pitch because yeah. that was when you had... Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, no worries. I'm just mentioning it. I just thought I'd mention that because the X-Men, of course, weren't the only example of that. Oh, no, not at all. But that was Marvel's yeah. bread and butter when yeah. it really got going. And that was what cemented the brand and went and cemented the humanities behind it. Yeah. That's something that they'll always be remembered for. That's something that Stan Lee is always going to be remembered for. If nothing else, he gave us or he gave us superheroes that we could identify with. He gave us characters that we could not only look at and see some glimmer of entertainment, but we could also go and find our own humanity and our own hope from that. Mm -hmm. And that was the best thing that he went and gave us. Even though I stand by, there has been a lot of typecasting, a lot of taking of character ideas and designs from other sources, other studios, other places. There's nothing new under the sun. It's how we interpret them. It's how we go and take them. And that was something in Stan Lee, to the credit of everybody that I have seen talking about him post his death and the people that a lot of people make the argument that he stepped over to the career and success that he's had all said he gave the characters humanity. I am sorry to anybody that thinks that I hate Stan Lee. I don't. I think that he was an amazing man. I am sorry for his loss. I honestly am. While he hasn't been creating comics in a long time, I know all the way up until his deathbed and from <laughs> for generations to come, I do believe that he is an inspiration to us and will continue to be for a long time. So I'm sorry, Internet. I didn't mean to piss you off, but <laughs> my my feelings on Stan Lee are a little complex in case you couldn't tell. He was so good to the fans too. Everyone who you know had an interaction with him had something positive to say. So exactly whatever decisions he made, he was a genuinely kind person and you know, which is very nice to everyone he met. And I, I think X-Men too is mm -hmm continues to inspire that's that's my favorite uh superhero group is the x-men uh because even when i was younger i recognized that the real enemy wasn't you know a force it was discrimination and i think that less the lessons of the x-men continue to be relevant uh as you know with the black lives matter movement as african americans continue to have discrimination uh, and I also think it now applies to, you know, gay rights and, and the homosexual community and trans and. Yeah, that. no, it's, it's legitimate and it still exists to this day. Although I'm still a little bit pissed about them changing Iceman's entire origin story. <laughs> well, they do that a lot. I, 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 I would, I would agree with that though. Is like, yeah, you just seemed like a kind, kind old grandpa that was interested in everything you're doing. Yeah, mm -hmm. so. and and we have many of our friends have got, had to got had to get have gotten a chance to say talk to him for a few minutes, take photos, meet him, take photos, thank him. Like a lot of people, a lot of our friends, um, I'm pretty sure. Like I'm pretty sure in all in, in only one small part, yeah. that the fact that they cosplay at all was a tiny, tiny little bit inspired by the things that he wrote. Even if they didn't ever cosplay anything from his from his collection of works, I always believe that at least like all of us like not, none of us uh, that I, like me and Tyler. I'm not sure about you, Rob or or John or Amy, but I'm not sure if we've done anything that is considered Marvel or anything like that. But uh, well, like I like I know some of us have. I've done at least one thing, but that was the most lazy cosplay I've ever done in my life. And cosplay <laughs> the biggest character he ever made. <laughs> Oh yeah, good point. That is very true. Yeah. But at the same point, but at the same point though, 
at least one at least we all of us have always been inspired in one way or another by stanley Amy? i've cosplayed miss marvel and psylocke so yes yeah, i didn't yes, know I that have. <laughs> i don't know yeah. um, I actually i'm i'm going to be cosplaying one of his characters for a food drive so i don't know superheroes give us hope mm-hmm. and uh especially but adults so but, that that's you know a lot of people dress as superheroes and go to charity events go to hospitals so i'm really excited to be representing one of his characters especially uh you know so soon after his passing in in a, in a cause that i'm sure he would support which is providing food to families uh, during the holiday season. And the the thing the thing that popped into my head when you mentioned um, um, like the civil rights movement, uh, Robert, was the, one of the ones that popped big into my head, and that was Black Panther. Yeah. Um, and if I remember at that time, I'm pretty sure that was one of the biggest like front page type things that was considered a black superhero. Mm-hmm. I think. I. Black Panther is kind of a weird one because this is one of the things that I do need to make a point of as a historian. Mm-hmm. The civil rights movement is captured in a couple of moments. That is true. It's not one of those things. I, I hate to go contrary to what a lot of the media depictions are, but they over-exaggerate. Not, not entirely. No, here's the thing. The civil rights movement happened in a couple of moments that were flashpoints. There were horrible things that happened throughout the course of it. The lynchings and all that stuff will never, ever be something that we can go and look back on with any sort of good notation or anything like that. But what we focus on with the civil rights movement a lot of time are small moments. And what I always find kind of weird is that in history, we look at things from the perspective of these few moments. What we don't look at are things like Black Panther's success. This is a character who actually, when uh, the character was introduced, was met with actually pretty well universal praise. Yeah, this was something that a lot of the Dixiecrats were not big fans of down in the South, but the reality was they also were not the core comic book market. And that was a current comic books in particular They've ebbed and flowed. They've gone in and out of style as time went along. They really hit their high point during World War II and had been on a downward trend for the most part leading into the civil rights movement. The fun thing about that and something that Marvel capitalized on particularly and ended up revitalizing DC through extension, uh, we went and saw that the youth, as oftentimes is the case with these situations, went and latched onto these characters, whether it was X-Men, Black Panther, they became instant successes, I think, because they reflected the times and the youth. And I do stand by, I think most people in the country didn't feel that what was happening to African-Americans, the Chinese, to the Germans, because remember, the Germans got the shit after World War II as well. Mm-hmm. When they saw her, I think that most people still recognized wrong as wrong. The problem was you had a very emboldened group that was willing to go and stand up and was willing to go and use any her any force manipulation possible, whether it was marches in the streets, bribing elected officials. You had a very vocal minority that terrified everybody. And I think that that has really affected things. And the reason on why the comic books, I think in some respects, won the civil rights movement is that we finally had a voice that was available on a wide scale that was saying this is wrong and it was out there in public. 
Black Panther was a big success right from the get-go. What's funny is that that success was great leading up into the late 1970s. Then, well, things went to shit in the late 1970s. And I don't mean that from a political perspective. I don't mean that from a social perspective. I mean that from a financial perspective. The energy crisis that happened in the late 70s devastated everybody. The Russians were making huge leaps when it came to military projections. It was a rough time. And we ended up finding ourselves once again in need of gods. And that was when DC written moved back in as the dominant force in the marketplace, leading through to the 1980s, the Reagan revolution, the fall of communism, and all of that stuff. So it's funny on how you see these weird ebbs and flows as time goes along, because we'd won with Black Panther, with the X-Men. And we just kind of forgot about the lessons that those things taught us as we went along, especially going into the 90s and the early 2000s. Now we see Marvel stepping back up again, and I do think some of it actually has to do with films like uh, the Brian Singer X-Men movie that came out back in 1999. That actually brought back into the focus of, I think, the mainstream consciousness of discrimination on multiple levels, and especially going through 9-11 and what happened to the Islamic community, you know. No matter what side you're on, I don't think you can really go and argue that the good people got to, or got the shit after that period. That kind of stuff resonates with us. And especially with how the MCU's been successful, Marvel's been on the rise. It's unfortunate that they couldn't continue to hold on to their success because they had such bad business investment leading into the Disney buyout. <laughs> Ironic, great ideas, not good in the marketing. <laughs> Yeah, the world the world will continue to change. There will be ups and downs. But yeah, Black Panther is a weird one. I, I know I went on totally different tangent there, but Black Panther, if things were as bad as we all thought that they were from you know uh, what we learned in history class, it shouldn't have been a success, but it was. And I think that, that just goes to show that humanity as a whole actually is good. It's just our own biases and prejudices that we get taught that go and make us bad. Stan taught us that. I love it. I love the guy for that. Sorry, I derailed the whole conversation here. So. That, I don't know. I wanted to talk about Spider-Man, but I, I don't know where to go with that. No, that's, go with it. Because Spider-Man, I think, is the most human character in comic books. He is. Spider-Man's my favorite. Yeah. I, well, I think he, the, the one message that I see with Spider-Man is the fact that he didn't want to be a hero. Spider-Man? Hey, no, not at the beginning. Oh, yeah. He did. No, no, he didn't. Yeah, yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the way I, the way, his neighbor on, to put... make him cookies with nuts. <laughs> Sorry, but in, in my opinion, in the way I've always seen it, is that he never really wanted to, but he stood by what his, but the writing that what his uncle Ben said, you have great. this power, great, great power, power comes great responsibility. Yeah. But like, oh, I don't know. I feel like he's a because he that was the whole idea. He's a smart guy, and then he just got powers, and there's like, okay, I got got to do th good things, and that has always been like a big staple of who he is as a character. His his mm -hmm. flaws as a human being is that he always picks the mask over the rest of his life, so he always puts that first, and so that's why he has such horrible relationships and 
connecting with anyone is because he's, he's always putting the responsibility of being Superman over everything. That's that that's his main villain, actually. Like uh, a lot of times, is his self. His self is his main villain, mm-hmm. um, and he's always trying to hide his identity because he's afraid he's gonna like it's gonna leak out. And um, that's that was a big thing in Civil War is because yeah. he no one had better uh, better um, control over his hidden identity his secret identity than Spider-Man. And so when it was Spider-Man revealing his secret identity for the civil war, uh, accords, that was a big thing because it's just like, Oh, fucking Spider-Man. No one knows who he is. He just, he's Spider-Man. You don't know his secret identity is. He's always hid that. Unlike everyone else. Uh, so that was a big thing, but I like him as a character has always just, yeah, he's he's very flawed. That's that's another thing of just like putting something that you want above something else. Like um they they talked about that with Captain America in the in the newest one in like the movies, I guess. Yeah. Is that was the whole thing is Captain America uh in the uh Civil War he goes just like I wish I could stop it. If I see uh, see someone who needs help, I got to go help him. I wish I didn't have to. And then Tony Stark is like, "No, you don't. You fucking love doing that. That's who you are as a person." And he goes, mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I I have to go out of my way to help other people to the point where it's damaging himself. And that's also Spider-Man. Yeah. He just no, has better good. he's got better whips and quirks and There's a there's a line in the first the first uh, Civil War in the first um Captain America movie that I think fits that quite well and I think and I've always kind of whenever I've seen Captain America that's kind of he's like why do you want to go to war? Is it cuz I don't like bullies? Mm-hmm. No, I, I I do love that, and I gotta say, just fine. But it's true. <laughs> That's no, it is. It is. It totally is. No, and I think that actually kind of sums up the entire. Uh, you know, not to, not to go and do a tortured Lincoln here, but honestly, I kind of think that was the way that Stanley looked at a lot of these characters with a lot of the social commentary messages that were put in the sixties and seventies. I don't think he. I think he just didn't like the bullies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird. It's just, it's so good. Although, actually, Tyler, you brought up my least favorite thing in all of Marvel Comics right there. Wah. Well, Wah. the Spider-Man reveal in Civil War is considered to be on the same level as the death in the family in terms of missed oh, opportunities. Man. Yeah. Because in some respects, Spider-Man has been the most human character out of all of them. And a lot of people believe, and I'm one included, he picked the wrong side. He did. You know, that situation that he was put in going with Tony Stark and revealing his identity and exposing himself and ultimately going and putting his loved ones at risk, what happened to Aunt May as a result of all of that. There's, it was too clean of a choice. Like there wasn't the same tortured reaction to it that he has had with so many other things. And even with revealing his identity, um, God, I'm trying to remember the comic series it was from, but when Spider-Man revealed himself to J. Jonah Jameson uh, for the first time, even on the record, you know, understanding that that was going to be the case, that was a torturous moment for him. What's going to happen to this man that I do care about? He has so much hate towards Spider-Man. What is this going to do to us if I go and make this choice? 
Civil War and his choice to join up with Team Stark and, you know, superheroes without masks and we should all just be out there. We should or we should go and put her make ourselves accountable to the government. Everybody should be aware of what we are doing. It puts his entire life, his family's lives, the people he cares about in jeopardy. And there was no struggle in it. Uh, in that comic book, though, he does turn sides because he realizes yeah. how much of a mistake it was. I know. Yeah. But that came several issues later. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's just a weird. I, it's a weird. Yeah. It is. It is. But I think that's the impact they're going for is like it's such yeah. a it's an impact. They're trying to say, hey, this is a character that always hides himself. That was that's like a, also a main thing of like his secret identity that is Spider-Man. Yeah, I don't know. It's, One yeah. thing that I always found kind of weird, especially with mm-hmm. the because in the comic books, was it also Tony Stark that made him come forward? Was it? Yes, yeah. that's where the like the Iron Iron okay. Spider comes from and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reason I'm I'm thinking this is that I've always thought about this as kind of weird, because especially with the way that that Parker's always stood with hiding his identity, this, 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 this is like I've always thought this is was as kind of blackmail. I've Could always. Be. In a, in a way, because he's like, because in the movie, didn't he come and he's like, hey, Peter, what's this? <laughs> like, he essentially yeah. walks in and says, I know your, sp- your super was your Spider-Man. I got you by the tits. Like, <laughs> Yeah. That's actually a good point that I hadn't really thought about. Like, like literally, Tony Stark, the one of the most powerful, rich people in the world, walks into your apartment, who shows up in your apartment, and essentially says, I know your biggest secret. Well, I mean, it, I, mean, I, know it's far, I wouldn't say it's necessarily I'll, blackmail, but it's definitely peer pressuring. I want to <laughs> yeah. bring up, I want to bring up Iron Man now. Yeah, yeah. And now here's the thing about Iron Man. Do you know what his biggest weakness was? His biggest villain? His ego. Himself, alcoholism. Alcoholism. That's what it was. It was, <laughs> was a big alcoholic. Again, it was him himself that was the problem. It wasn't just a bad guy. Yeah. That was his, uh, his other side. It was just like, oh, what's your biggest problem? Oh, I'm an alcoholic. Okay, yeah. so it's just flaws, just human flaws in all of them. Yeah, but well, no, that's how I've always stood with the Spider-Man thing. Yeah, and, no, that's an interesting perspective. No, and that's and that does kind of capture it all right there with Iron Man. And this is the difference for me between DC and Marvel. Marvel, I think, actually does have, for the most part, better heroes because they are something you can identify with. Mm-hmm. You can latch onto them. There's a problem with that, though. <laughs> they don't have great villains. No. They're a lot less super. Yeah. They're just heroes. They're heroes more on an individual level. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man Versus, had some of the best villains, though. I will say, they got it right with Spider-Man. And that's yeah. the one that Stan Lee had the most creative control with. You know, him and Jack uh, Kirby were really the ones that defined those characters. And it worked. What? what I wanted to say a thing. Yeah, I wanted to say it. a thing is like that has always been a thing though of like how marvel dc always did it first and then marvel always did it better was that not always a trend i thought that was like a trend i i I wouldn't say necessarily always but i will say they do tend to do a better job of refining a prey concept i thought that was like just an understood like kind of fact of like that everything that marvel did was just like they took dc and just changed it better i think so. you can make that argument with heroes but i still stand by i don't know if all of the storylines are that strong because of that 
you know, the characters themselves, I think, are stronger. But does the world they work in necessarily hold up as well with a lack of real cemented antagonists to work off of? Mm. You know, one of the things that kept uh, Marvel from really moving big into movies, even though DC had had a lot of success with the Christopher Reeve Superman with uh, Batman 1989 and even the Joel Schumacher sequels that came after Batman Returns still were financial successes. They were. Marvel didn't really manage to go and get there. And one of the arguments from Warner Brothers, who had produced most of those movies and wanted to do Marvel films, they were upset with the fact that they could never come up with any sort of stories. And granted, this was very different superhero filmmaking from what we have now. We are living you know, in a that, very good time. This is but, this is old school filmmaking, yes. Or yeah. old school uh, superhero movies. Yeah, so. where you needed to have a strong villain for yeah. these kind of films. And it's not just superhero films. That was action films at the time. You know, would things have worked as well in Die Hard if you had not had... Uh, Hans Gruber, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you just you just know Hans Gruber. That's the thing. Is like I you just know Hans Gruber as a character. He's yeah, just, exactly. Hans it's Gruber. like I, I this is bad here. I, Professor yeah. Snape, same actor. Hans Gruber is always no. He's Hans Gruber first. He's exactly. Hans he's, that's just it. Like, you, you don't go to Die Hard. Go. Why is Professor Snape here? You go to you go to Harry <laughs> Potter. It's like why is Hans Gruber here? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, or you go to Galaxy Quest and be like, wow, Alan Rickman is really good in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fuck, fuck yeah, Alan. Good, good job, Alan Rickman. Yep. <laughs> I do love you him made it like he was in his 40, and then he just said, I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> okay. Bootleg Spock is best Spock. I'm saying it right now. <laughs> yep. No, I... No, I... But that's just it. Warner Brothers wanted to do films with the Marvel characters, the problem was, though, Marvel was unwilling to let them do a lot of cross-market bridging. They would not allow them to go and use characters from one franchise in another at the time, which, boy, that's ironic with the MCU and how that's worked out. Yeah, they're not in charge of that. So Yeah, no, no, that's, well, Marvel. With the MCU, that concept was there long before the videos showed up. Like, oh, I'm, they, I'm like, aware. Like, but but the fact that, like, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, it's the MCU came about because Marvel was desperate and they needed something to work. They leveraged every character. If if Iron Man had not been a success, Marvel would be owned, I should say, the Marvel characters would be owned by a hundred different entities. They they already were pretty split up. Like that's what I was about to get into is like they didn't start having movies until they sold Spider-Man to Sony. And exactly. then they started getting Sony movies. Uh, X-Men was to Fox and they had those movies. It's like yeah. as soon as they sold those off, boom. You, you had the final Fantastic Four, you had all the X-Men, you had all the Spider-Man movies. Um, who did Hulk? I don't remember who did Hulk. That's probably uh, which Hulk? one? Uh, <laughs> that God, first who, Hulk. Was that Paramount? Uh, hold on a second. Oh, Here, Lee's Hulk. Because like there's there's a Hulk movie, there's the Incredible Hulk that's part of the MCU that wasn't there before. But then there's a movie before that. But uh, no, that's not the topic I wanted Isn't to go to. Is the one with Ed Norton? No, that's the, one with... that's the one that's part of the MCU. That's the second Hulk movie. Yeah, no, you're thinking of the one her, the one with uh, Sam Elliott and yeah, uh, Nick Nolte. <laughs> yeah, that's like the origin one. Yeah, two, 2003. Yeah. Yes. So Hulk yes. Um, directed by Ang Lee. Um, yeah, because yeah, uh, it was the abomination was in the second one, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and it was yes. universal. So yeah, yeah. Um, 
No, what I want to say is like who had the cart who owned the cartoons? Like the X-Men but cartoons, the Spider-Man cartoons. That that actually was Marvel Productions. This is part of the reason why they were in such bad shape. They had opened an animation studio in the late 80s. Yeah. They had been met with mixed success here and there. When it's the 90s fairly strong with uh the president of the company literally leveraging her job to get the X-Men series made. Uh so got's going really well there. The problem was leading into the late 90s and early 2000s, they had moved away from producing first-party projects and were doing stuff on license for other companies that were not panning out successfully. So they ended up shutting down the Marvel animation and selling it over to, God, I'm trying to remember and who actually bought that up. I think Sunrise bought it next and then somebody else after that. So that hurt them big. Yeah, they weren't in great financial shape in the late 90s, so they ended up going and selling the film rights to other companies for certain characters. X-Men started the trend to good success, but not great. It was Sony Spider-Man that really did launch Marvel as being a legitimate film company. Yes. But yep. that one worked out because they had a legitimate villain. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, one of the things I think that held back uh, uh, X-Men so much initially was the fact that they only really have one title character that people know as a villain from that franchise, and he's too sympathetic. Magneto is too good of a good guy to be a bad guy. Yeah, he's he is. He's not. He's like a. He's a gray. Well, his like, motive. His motivations for what he's doing kind of makes sense, but the way he's going about them. Yeah. yeah, he's much more. He is the archetype that Thanos has become in. Uh, the MCU movies. Yeah, and they've done a good job with Thanos. Yeah, he had to, it, unlike the comic Thanos, this is a guy that you can actually identify with and understand his reasoning. You just hate him for the way that he's going about it. Yep. Man, comic Thanos, he's just an asshole. Exactly, yeah. No, I mean, me? how he the hell... <laughs> wipes out half the galaxy just because Com- he wants comic to. Comic Thanos kills himself because his future self begs for death at one point. He's like, what? No. Fucking yeah. slap your own self. It's <laughs> like, what? You time traveled to kill yourself because you thought yourself was too much of a pussy. <laughs> That's that right there. I know. It's awesome. Oh, my God. Oh. I mm, mm. No, but that's... It's kind of a weird thing because, yeah, that's one place that Marvel definitely from a filmmaking perspective, suffered for a long time. And I think part of the reason why people started to get a little bit bored of Marvel in some respects when it came to the MCU movies, because we saw this weird dip uh, starting with the second Avengers movie where things were kind of moving in a downward trend temporarily. Mm-hmm. I think, and I just remember seeing a lot of stuff on Facebook at the time, back when I spent any time on Facebook, with people talking about the villain problem with the Marvel movies and all that stuff. And then they just started to get abstract with this shit, going and pulling a bunch of D-listers out and remaking them into legitimate characters and threats. I mean, Thor Ragnarok is the ultimate cavalcade of characters you don't give a shit about in the comics and absolutely love what they did within the movies. Mm -hmm. And I hope they continue that trend because, God, I love me some Thor Ragnarok. That was was good. good. Yeah. What? Yeah. One of my favorite villains, again, it's Mm -hmm. a sympathetic villain, but I love an anti-hero. Like, uh, y'all think I'm going to say Loki, but I'm going to say Mystique. Mm. I love Mystique, especially Jennifer Lawrence's portrayal of her is so amazing. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, I also like I like X Men Evolution. I love it. It's my favorite. (laughs) That was great. That was good. 
I was just reason? thinking about that. Who owned that one? Was that Fox? No, no. Well, okay. So, no, that was WB, one. wasn't it? Yeah, Warner Brothers mm-hmm. is on who or who produced it, who developed it, and all that stuff. This was when they had shut down Marvel Animation and they licensed television characters separately from movies. So even though uh, Sony owned uh, Spider-Man for film, uh, Sony and Warner Brothers went in on a joint for the television rights on it. And they ended up creating what I still stand by might be the best superhero series ever made, The Spectacular Spider-Man. That was so good. Yeah. And then I don't know what the hell happened. Sony walked away from it when Marvel went and bought up, or I should say when Disney bought up Marvel. And then Warner Brothers just rolled over and said, oh, yeah, sure. You can go and just buy Spider-Man. We've only got a season left that we already started animating. No, you can just go and buy it all out. You don't need to finish this series. (laughs) Stupid. And they did everything perfectly in that one. Oh, my God. Seriously, if you've not seen the spectacular Spider-Man, this is the Stanley vision of what Spider-Man should be on her for adaptation. Especially when Tombstone shows up. Sorry, what? (laughs) You sound bitter. Are you bitter? I'm a little bitter about that one, yes. You're bitter about that one? Man, I I remember watching Spider-Man Ultimate, and what cliffhanger left me on that one? Oh, my God. (laughs) So Spider-Man Ultimate was when... Unlimited, unlimited, not Ultimate. Unlimited, that's Ultimate Spider-Man was the one that Disney did, yeah, yeah, unlimited. (laughs) Unlimited. This is the one where... He travels. <laughs> this with, is the weird one, folks. This is weird. This is like this is right after animated uh, the Spider-Man: The Animated Adventures, which was if you're a '90s kid, you watched that because that was that was that was nostalgia. Mm. Right there. This is the sequel to that one. He basically he jumps. What is it? Fucking Joe Jameson's son. Yeah, yeah. Who is uh, it? John Jameson. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's in the movie because he's an astronaut. Thing. Oh my god. It, it's the other Earth. So there's apparently there's another Earth circling in the same uh, rotation around the sun, but it's on the other side of the sun at all times in perfect, uh, perfect uh, orbit, perfect synchronous perfect. orbit. Yeah. So you never see it. And they're like, wait a second. There's another there's another Earth. So they they, they go to what is it? What is it called? Uh, Anti-Earth, not anti-Earth. Yeah. Um, was it New Earth? Earth two? New? Something like that. Uh, I'm going to look that up here. I'll, I'll, I'll get an answer on that. Anyways, uh, Joe Jameson's son goes on a rocket and but what happens is one of the symbiotes is like i'm gonna fucking go on this rocket too and then, and then the other Spider-Man one was like i'm gonna go too <laughs> yeah it was it was is venom and carnage, carnage do that yeah. and then spider-man's like i can't have that happen so he gets on the rocket so this one rocket goes all the way to the other earth where it's like counter earth counter earth yes i knew it was something earth but it was like yeah. the opposite um it's full of beast people and anthropomorphic animal people to control mm-hmm. everything and mm-hmm. so then they're like for a whole season just refugees underneath ground trying to make their way through stuff and then it stops right after a season on a big cliffhanger i think joe jameson gets a virus in him that creates him into like an animal person and they're like holy shit how are they gonna fix this and they're like canceled because uh, no one's watching this because uh, we've gone bankrupt yeah well that one also was heard for another reason <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, um, this is this is a fun bit of trivia that only people on the West Coast or West Coast will actually care about, uh, particularly those '90s kids that were starting to age out of the cartoon trend and Fox Kids and all that stuff. Um, so, if you grew up on the West Coast, you knew the pilot episode 
that they aired and never saw anything else. Mm-hmm. During its years of runtime, because for some reason they had done two six season or sorry, six episode seasons and went and ran them together because for some reason that's why they decided to do it. Might have had something to do with the bank or with the almost bankruptcy. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, uh, the time slot that they decided to air it. So Fox Kids was well on the de- or decline at this point. They were only airing it on Saturday mornings. And what had shifted? That's right, folks. Baseball season had shifted. <laughs> so they had started going and moving all of the uh, Saturday late night games into earlier time slots. So they didn't conflict with college football, which was on a serious rise for television uh, for television options at the time. So for a lot of kids, including myself, who wanted to watch that show, I saw the pilot and then never saw another episode aired. It was only <laughs> about 10 years later when I happened to see an episode of it on, I think it was Toon Disney at the time, which is now no longer even a channel. It's Disney XD. Did I see any of the other episodes? So if you were on the West Coast, because of East Coast time slot baseball games, you did not get to see this show. And despite it, not being the best, I actually would still recommend it because it is a trip. It is a it trip. Is, it it's is such one, a different show. It's the one where he has uh, the spider webs in his armpits. Yeah, well, the <laughs> nano suit. The nano yeah. suit was the best part. That was that was a thing. It's yeah. It is it. It's like a. It's one of those staples that you just kind of have to watch for posterity. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. to say, hey, I, I know Spider Man. I watched. I watched Unlimited. And you're like, okay, yeah, credentials. They pan out. Yeah. So, no, that's just the one. Uh, ah, that was a tangent. I had something before that. I don't remember. I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had a thing I was going to say before that, and then I got that on that tangent because it was it's it's what it is. I I, don't, I wanted to talk about that. Uh, what else did I want to talk about? Uh, I was. It's like a weird merger. It's there's a whole lot of like transitioning stuff from the '90s to the 2000s with the movies and. That's the X-Men Evolution cartoon. That was a big one. Yeah. I really loved watching that. Um, but yeah, that was Warner Brothers, and it was X-Men before that was Marvel. Yeah, and it was Marvel yeah. Productions, but exclusively with Fox. Yeah, they. that's right, it was. Yeah, it, it, they have, yeah. they've had a very weird lifestyle. Yeah. Like, no, that happening. And that one's a weird one for Fox Kids as well, because the original uh, X-Men series... Like I said, most of the television shows that were being produced for Fox Kids at the time were being done through Marvel's animation division. The president of the company, I mean the animation company, uh, was also in charge of developing programming with Fox for that animated division at the time. This is before Saban got into it big with Power Rangers and Digimon and all that kind of stuff. So they lever her, she leveraged her job. And in all honesty, Basically, the company itself, because they had gone into this exclusive deal, and Fox Kids, despite at the time only being a Saturday morning option, was still getting dominated by the Disney afternoon on weekdays in terms of kids programming. And you didn't have the 24-hour cycle with Nickelodeon and uh, Cartoon Network really established at the time. So Fox Kids was doing okay, but not great. Marvel, because they had gone into this exclusive deal, was not getting the kind of revenue that they needed out of it to keep going. They did not air a new show for over a year going and putting money into uh, the X-Men series from the time. That was really 
that was the shot that needed to work. If that did not land, it was going to be the end of Marvel at that point as well. It's another one of those weird things. Thank God they put the time and money into it in developing good stories and some really good animation that holds up to this day. So, uh, yeah, just kind of a weird note in history. Uh, X-Men saved Fox Kids. <laughs> <laughs> saved Marvel, too, but saved my yeah. childhood. Yeah. There was always some great like crossover comics. Did you ever read the ones that were like Avengers crossed over with Transformers? <laughs> they were really good about going and just cashing in on anything that was popular at the time. <laughs> yeah, the those crossovers were the best where you uh, had uh, Red Skull teamed up with Megatron. It and just it like in how every yeah, every cartoon in the eighties was an or was a toy commercial. Every Marvel comic in the eighties, I'm pretty sure wanted to be a toy commercial. <laughs> yep. Ugh, I love it. I love it. Uh, I don't know. I got nothing else. I really don't. I, I I just wanted to go and pay some proper respect to Stan Lee and to his entire family over at Marvel and beyond. And like yeah. I said, I wanted to apologize to anybody who thought that I was disparaging him. Like I said, I have complex feelings on the guy. I think that that's a perfectly fine thing to be. Agreed. I'm glad that the good outshines the bad in all these situations. And yeah, I'm definitely sad to see him go. But if I can say one thing that I really am happy for with his passing, he was married to his wife for a long time. Lost her a year and a half ago. We can only be so hard. We can only hope that we're so lucky to be reunited with our loved ones after such a short period of time. We'll miss you, Stan. Excelsior. We know you're in a better place. Excelsior! Excelsior! (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, uh, thanks everybody for listening. I know this was a little bit of a different kind of podcast. I know it picked up a little bit of energy towards the end, but this is is an eventful time for us. So thanks for listening. Keep listening on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud through the end of the year. Uh, Coming soon to Spotify, hopefully. we're under review, so <laughs> let's cross our fingers. Uh, keep going and uh, giving us those uh, good reviews and those likes. Um, downloads also actually help. Uh, streaming the podcast are great and all, but downloads, particularly on iTunes, uh, help out our metrics a lot. So if you can do that, we'd appreciate it. And uh, yeah, enough begging. Uh, go and email us with your love, your hate, whatever. Uh, Soccer Rangers Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. (laughs) I'd like some love for a change. I'd like to not go and be that guy anymore. Thank you very much, guys. Bye. 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 (laughs) Bye.